You're listening to the Hope Assembly podcast with Pastor Ryan Day. For more information, you can visit us online at hopeassembly.org. Please enjoy this week's sermon. And today we're going to uh, continue our series on the goodness of God. We're on part four of the goodness of God. And we've been sharing out of Psalm uh, 119, verse 68. Uh, The psalmist David is declaring to God that you are good and you do good. And as I've been saying, I think in this new year and just in general, we need a greater understanding and theology and a deeper sort of uh, reservoir, if you will, uh, a deeper rootedness in the goodness of God, just recognizing that God is good and what God does is good. And that Hebrew word is tov. It's this highest form of beauty and goodness that we could even think or imagine actually translate transcends our ability to think or imagine this goodness that God is and that God does. And so today I want to talk about the goodness of God in the familiar, the goodness of God in the familiar. And I'd like to open by uh, reciting the Lord's Prayer. Now, you can find it in Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. And in my reciting of this Lord's Prayer, you'll probably hear a little New King James. You'll probably hear a little New Living Translation, perhaps add a little NIV, ESV, whatever. But this is... This is how I recite the Lord's Prayer. And I've, I've gotten in this habit. I have a, a timer or an alarm set on my phone uh, that every day at noon, my alarm goes off on my phone and it's simply titled the Lord's Prayer. And I try to, I'm not perfect at it, but I try every day at noon to recite the Lord's Prayer and think through it. So let's st- start with the Lord's Prayer. You probably know it. You could say it along if you'd like. But our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Um, And the many versions will go on to say, for yours is the power and the kingdom and the glory forever and ever Amen. I hope you said amen there. We agree with this prayer that Jesus taught his disciples. But I want to focus in on one part of that prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. Now, I don't know about you, but I love bread. I love bread so much. Matter of fact, when I was younger, I would have bread with almost every single meal. As I've gotten older, I've come to recognize that having bread with every single meal is not necessarily the best situation since most bread just turns to sugar. Um, But I love bread. One of my favorite loaves of bread um, is at Oswego Grill. I love to go to Oswego Grill and um, I can personally consume multiples of that sourdough bread that they bring out with that sort of garlic buttery I'm getting hungry already. That garlic buttery sauce they put on. I love bread. And bread is so familiar. Um, bread is like a universal meal, if you think about it. I, I've been to many different countries. I have the privilege to go to many different countries. Um, Albania, Nigeria, Guatemala, the Philippines, Mexico, Canada, um, multiple countries. In every single place that I've gone, there's always an opportunity to enjoy some local bread. It's like a universal meal. 
Bread is the sort of warm and inviting um, uh, element of a meal, right? It's sort of a sign in a lot of ways of, of hospitality. We use that term, let's sit down and may we break bread together. It's this idea of sitting down to a meal together in a hospitable way and enjoying one another's company. And so I, I can't tell you how much I love bread, but here's the thing. Bread can also be really, really gross. Bread can be really hard. It can be really stale. Um, bread can be really moldy at times. I don't know if you've ever gone to your cupboard to pull out a loaf of French bread or maybe just even even just uh, sandwich bread and recognize, oh no, my bread is ruined. It is moldy. And this happens because oftentimes we're so familiar with bread that we don't treat bread in, in any sort of special way. There's an old statement, you've probably heard it before, it's familiarity breeds contempt. Familiarity breeds contempt. And what happens is bread in our cupboard is so readily available, it's so common, that oftentimes we treat bread with contempt. And so it may sit in our cupboard and over the process of a day or weeks, it becomes stale, it becomes moldy, and then we just throw it away because it's so common, it's so familiar, it's so ordinary. <clears throat> and today I want to talk about what it looks like to find God's goodness in the familiar. Jesus said in his prayer, give us this day our daily bread. And sometimes I think that it is difficult to find God's goodness in our familiar or our ordinary moments. That just like a loaf of bread, we treat our familiar and our ordinary moments with contempt and in treating them with contempt, we struggle to find that God is good and working in those familiar, ordinary moments. See, we've been trained, I believe at least, that we've been trained to see or to look for God in the extraordinary moments. And I don't know about you, I love extraordinary moments. But if we live off of only extraordinary moments, then we will starve to death, spiritually speaking. And so we've been trained to see God or look for God in extraordinary. And so often we treat the ordinary <clears throat> with contempt. And I asked myself the question this week, like what would our lives be without the familiar? What would our lives be without the common, the ordinary, the quotidian moments of our lives? Uh, will we even be able to recognize the ordinary, or excuse me, the extraordinary, if we had removed the ordinary? Of course we wouldn't be able to, because if everything is extraordinary, nothing is extraordinary. And we need the ordinary to secure us, to root us, to found us, or, 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 or uh, secure us in the goodness of God. We need these ordinary moments. Dallas Willard said it like this. He said, the obviously well-kept secret of the ordinary is that it is made to be a receptacle of the divine, a place where the life of God flows. And I think what's interesting about that quote is he says, obviously well-kept secret of the ordinary, meaning that oftentimes people don't recognize that the ordinary is intended to be a receptacle of the divine. A place where the life of God flows. He flows in, he works through, the divine is present in our ordinary moments. 
And as I, as I was preparing for this, I thought to myself about my own recent extraordinary moments. Maybe you can think about your own. And, and really, as I was pondering, I can think of only two extraordinary moments in the last 20 years. Two extraordinary moments that stood out of every other moment. And those two extraordinary mo moments were the weddings of my two sons to two incredibly brilliant and beautiful women. And reflecting on those evenings, as I often do, it just, it brings me great joy. They, they were so extraordinary that when I think about them, it brings me incredible and great joy. But then I ask myself, well, what made them extraordinary? What made these moments or these events extraordinary? Was it the venues? No, they were, they were beautiful venues. But no, it wasn't the venues. Was it the wedding dresses? Now, we could get a little bit, get in a little bit of trouble here. The wedding dresses were definitely extraordinary. They were beautiful, gorgeous, but they weren't the thing that made the event extraordinary, at least in my mind. The cake, I love cake, but not the cake. The ceremony, I mean, I performed the ceremony so we could say that, but it's just not true. What made these events extraordinary was that they, in each instance, were the culmination of decades of ordinary moments. Follow me on this. They were the culmination. What made them so extraordinary is that as my wife and I, with such joy, such pride, such overflowing love for our sons and their wives, what, what made those moments extraordinary was that they were the culmination of decades of stacked upon stacked upon stacked of ordinary moments. Diapers and braces, and meals, and homework, and late homework, and football, and wrestling, and moments of joy, and moments of sorrow, and moments of celebration, and moments of restriction and frustration, decades of everyday ordinary moments being stacked one upon the other that led to this culmination of this moment where our boys had become men and were beginning to embark upon starting their own families with these two beautiful, wonderful daughter-in-laws. See, the extraordinary, in my mind, the extraordinary is revealed in the long obedience, to borrow from Eugene Peterson, in the long obedience of glorifying God in the ordinary. Let me say it again. The extraordinary is revealed in the long obedience of glorifying God in the ordinary. Give us this day our daily bread. Glenn Packiam, who wrote a beautiful book called uh, Blessed, Broken, and Given, it's a, an entire book about bread in the scriptures, said this, if God were to take the seemingly ordinary stuff of your life and fill it with his glory, he would not be working against the order of the world. He would be making your life what it is designed to be, a carrier of his glory. How do we find the, the goodness of God in the familiar? Give us this day our daily bread. 
This idea of the extraordinariness of God's goodness is revealed to us in the long obedience of glorifying God in the ordinary moments, in the everyday quotidian moments, the folding of laundry, the doing of dishes, the rising and going to work and working with your hands, working with your mind, the the sunrise, the sundown, the sleeping, the exercise, the eating, the friendships, the relationships, every single moment allowing the glory of God to fill those familiar moments that we might see the goodness of God in all of these moments. And as I was thinking about this, I think the scripture has many instances from the Old Testament all the way through the New Testament about this idea of bread. And when Jesus said um, this Lord's Prayer, when he said, pray this, when you pray, say, and he prayed the Lord's Prayer, I'm not so sure that the disciples or anybody hearing it really understood what he meant when he said, give us this day our daily bread. Perhaps they were thinking just just solely about daily provision, but I think that he was prophetically declaring even beyond just daily provision, Though it includes daily provision, it goes beyond provision to the moment of salvation. And we see this in the Last Supper. We see this if you will go and read Luke after we're done here. Luke chapter 22, verses 14 through 20. It's the account when Jesus goes into the upper room and they're going to have their Passover meal together. Jesus knows what's coming. He's been dropping hints for the disciples, but they don't seem to quite understand what is ahead of them. And the Bible says that Jesus takes the bread and he breaks the bread and he says to the disciples, take and eat. This is my body broken for you. I think when Jesus was saying, give us this day our daily bread, he was declaring to them that when you pray, there's going to be a day I will be gone. I will ascend to the Father. I will send the Spirit. And you will need daily to understand that in the breaking of the bread, there we find the elements of salvation. I don't know about you, but if I were to make a meal to signify salvation, it wouldn't be bread. As much as I love bread, if I was in charge of making a meal to signify salvation, it would not be bread. Because for me, bread seems too ordinary. But for God, perhaps that is the point altogether. Perhaps that's the reason God chose bread specifically as a way to declare, to signify his broken body, the salvation of mankind coming through the broken body and shed blood of Jesus. Because bread is so readily available, because bread is so common, bread um, is so ordinary. So is salvation so readily available to you and me. All you need is this piece of of your own. All you need is just a piece of bread for your own personal revival. That in this broken bread, we can see the broken body of Jesus. In this ordinary moment, we can be reminded of that salvation can be revealed once again to us, their own personal revival in the midst of such a common, ordinary idea of just breaking bread. 
There's no pretense in that. There's no pomp in that. It is as simple and as ordinary as it can be. And yet it reveals to us this extraordinary, glorious, incomprehensible love of God, goodness of God found in a loaf of bread. Give us this day our daily bread. And I couldn't stop there. I love that. Where Jesus breaks the bread, he gives it to the disciples. But I couldn't stop there because we're not sitting at the table with Jesus breaking bread. You might think to yourself, of course, if I was breaking bread with Jesus, that would be very significant. Not so much the bread, but because I was with Jesus. And I got to tell you that it's so important that we recognize that it's in the breaking of the bread in that ordinary moment that Jesus is revealed. And I was reminded of the disciples on the way to Emmaus. You can read it in Luke chapter 24. I'd encourage you to go do it. Verses 13 through 35. And the story is that these two disciples are leaving Jerusalem and they're heading to Emmaus, seven mile journey. And as they're journeying, they're discussing the events, the current events that have taken place in Jerusalem. Now, these were followers of Jesus. They were disciples of Jesus. And Jesus shows up with them along the way on the road to Emmaus, and yet they don't recognize Jesus. And as Jesus comes alongside them, he asks them, what is it that you're talking about? What is going on? And they begin to explain him. They sort of say to him, have you, have you not heard? Are you new? Do you not know what's been going on in Jerusalem? There was this Jesus guy. We followed him. We, we loved him. We trust him. We saw miracles, all of these things that happened. And we had hoped, they said, which means they've lost hope. We had hoped that he would be our Messiah, but they killed him. He died. Their claims that he's resurrected, but we're leaving the epicenter of the move of God and we are heading to Emmaus, maybe back to our normal lives and Jesus has joined them. I think this is such a stunning story of hope that is lost and found. And the scripture goes on to say that Jesus begins to explain to them from the Old Testament all the way through that these things had to happen. And as they approached Emmaus, the scripture is so funny to me, the scriptures, as they approach Emmaus, Jesus pretends that he's just going to keep on going. They still don't recognize it as Jesus, but they beg of him, please stay with us for the evening. And so he agrees to stay with them for the evening. And as they sit down at the table to eat a meal, here we have Jesus again, sitting at a table, eating a meal. He was mocked for eating meals with sinners. And here he is again, eating a meal with those disciples of his who have lost hope. And the scripture says that Jesus took the bread, this common element at every dinner table probably, took the bread. When he had blessed it and broke it, he gave it to them. And the scripture says that in that moment, immediately their eyes were opened and they recognized it was Jesus. And they said to themselves, yes, Jesus disappears. And they said to themselves, yes, 
the revelation of Jesus. Didn't our hearts burn in us as he, as he broke the scriptures? He's talked about the scriptures, but it was in the breaking of the bread, in that ordinary meal moment, that the revelation that Jesus was with them came to full uh, view for their hearts. And all of a sudden, they were encouraged. Hope was restored, and they hurried back to Jerusalem. My prayer for you and for me today, just like the disciples on the road to Emmaus, that may our eyes also be open to see Jesus, to see the goodness of God in the familiar moments of our life. Lord, give us this day our daily bread. Let's pray. Father, we're so grateful that you desire to reveal your goodness to us, even in the midst of the most mundane moments of our lives. I know, Lord, that many of us have been trained to seek for you, to look for you in extraordinary moments, in extraordinary places. But Lord, you are so available and accessible in every single moment that our lives are designed to be these containers for your glory. So Lord, let them be containers for your glory. In every moment of every day, give us this day our daily bread. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. I want to share this one quote before I bless you today, from Gregory of Nyssa, Gregory of Nyssa, one of the one of the church fathers, he said this: "Let us remember that the life in which we ought to be interested is daily life. We can, each of us, only call the present time our own. Our Lord tells us to pray for today, and so He prevents us from tormenting ourselves about." tomorrow. Before you go, let me pray this blessing over you. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. God bless you. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening. It's our desire to lead people to know Christ and to make Him known. If you'd like to support the ministry of Hope Assembly, go to hopeassembly.org. Thank you for listening, and God bless.